Today's show is brought to you by Harry's. Please visit harrys.com and use the promo code BCPOD to save $5 off your first purchase. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. How's it going, butt faces? This is Matt. We're back. I'm cruising down the road again. Our bus just broke down, side of the road, and my man, Josh Head, our keyboard player, fixed it. And we're back. Our air conditioner's working, and we're rolling towards Los Angeles for our gig tonight. Everybody on the bus say, what's up? Yes, thank you guys. So, we are going to be in your area, Los Angeles, Anaheim, San Diego, uh, San Francisco, Sacramento, Salt Lake City, Denver, and Lawrence. Check emorymusic.com forward slash VIP and uh, meet us out there. So I told you uh, we might be publishing these episodes a little bit late. Uh, this one's just, you know, half a day late. So thank you guys for being patient. We're getting it done. I think it feels great to be able to uh, be out on the road cruising in my rig and still getting our podcast done. And no loss in quality at that. In fact, this might be better. And we'll wind up getting some really cool in-person interviews while we're on the road. So more on that later. Aaron Lunsford's book, Backstage, How I Almost Got Rich in a Christian Hardcore Band. Aaron, the drummer from As Cities Burn. Physical books are on tour with us right now. Pre-order is up at AaronLunsford.com forward slash backstage book. Those things are flying off the merch table. We're selling tons of those at the shows every night, and people are loving the book. So go get go pre-order it now. Get a preview of the first three chapters free. AaronLunsford.com forward slash backstage book. Now, BC Club people, I got to thank you so much that we are supported enough to do a lot of the stuff that we're doing. It's working so great. We've had so many more people tip us and sign up for the BC Club. We really are uh, truly getting closer to being able to uh, spend more time creating entertainment, media, and stuff like that, and less and less dependent on stuff like day jobs and other things to to make the bills happen. So thank you for helping our whole career from Emory to Bad Christian to everything uh, do better. We know it's not charity. We hope you genuinely, capitalistically, uh, market force driven, and you just want to pay for it. So yeah, we don't want your charity, but we do want you you to pay what you want for our stuff. Go to badchristian.com forward slash contribute. Thanks. Three, two, one. Joey, let's hear some beats. Okay. Um... Are you not prepared, Joey? Did you not come up with like a, a, a bass drum sound with your mouth and a snare drum sound with your mouth? That's all it really takes. All right, let me try. Hold on. Okay. Can you count one more time? Count yes. one more time. Okay. Three, two, one. Joey, drop some beats. Oh, I like that. That's it's good. It's the Bad Christian Podcast. Bad Christian Podcast. All right. Joey, that's tight. Joey, that is tight. I'm tight, man. I'm, All right, welcome tight, to the Bad dude. Christian Podcast, everybody. Matt, Toby, and Joey, we are broadcasting to you here from, uh, we're in El Paso, Texas. Toby and I are on tour, and Joey yep. is in, where are you, Joey? You in the pastor's office or what? I'm I'm in my pastor's office, yes, and they're yep. doing construction pretty much right outside, and I think I'm breathing in metal fragments into my lungs, so that means <laughs> uh, I got about seven years left, yep. seven years. Worse, worse than secondhand smoke, I imagine. Now, yeah. Joey, we missed you last week because we did our episode with Shane Claiborne instead of you, and we wanted to ask, how did your how did your rafting trip go and your, your retreat? Did you recharge? <laughs> tell, tell us about it. Well, first of all, I appreciate you being such a good listener. Um, one of the main things I said 
when I did talk to you guys is that I did not go on the rafting did, trip. Yeah, no, so I, I did not go on the rafting trip. Matt, Matt, you kept saying um, it over and over like you I never was heard just, him. But I just thought it made more sense that way than to explain it the other way, the way it came across. But so what, I just rolled with it. That <laughs> was just me rolling with it. <laughs> yeah. No, no that's so not fair to I, say because Joey's just said, yeah, I'm here. I'm not going rafting. Yeah. So you didn't roll with it. You just created your own version of reality. I created my own reality that I like to bet. That's all. <laughs> so I went, uh, I did go zip lining. Uh, so that was kind of cool. That's neat. Um, yeah, it was neat. It was pretty neat. And Did it snap? Um, no, it didn't. Wow. It did not snap at all. I I am not afraid at all of physical risks. Like I, I went with my boss four-wheeling, and he seriously was going so fast and he even looked at me one time. He was just like, we could flip if we go down this hill. You want to do it? And I was like, sure. It's just kind of like, ah, I just don't care. I'll be okay sort of thing. But no, it was a good trip. Like, uh, I really do like a lot the pastors that pastor different churches. Real quick, Toby, I thought this would, is pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. Another campus pastor's wife uh, Facebooked me and told me that someone showed up to their new membership class um, and they went around asking, Hey, how'd you, uh, how'd you end up here at this campus? And <laughs> someone said, I listened to the bad Christian podcast. Now, the funny <laughs> thing about that, the, <laughs> the funny thing about that is it was in Columbia. So it's not even our hometown. Like Toby and I, we experience people all the time on Sunday mornings coming to our campus, uh, to kind of see us and, uh, I guess do church with us, whatever yeah. you want to call it. But, uh, someone showing up at a campus an hour and a half away. Is something new, so uh, I thought that was. I guess that's a good thing. I mean, yeah, I think we're, cool. we're sending people to church. I don't know if it's yeah. is, that, is that leverage. Like we're like, hey, look, see, people are coming to church, even though we yeah. we might be psychos. <laughs> well, it might be a little bit harder to measure the other uh, important data point there, and that's how many people have y'all driven off of Seacoast Church. Right, that, that right. might be harder to know. So we had to. I'm not sure which. You know, you want both metrics to know if there was a net gain or loss for your for your church. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so the retreat though, did so, you did you have a good time? Do you feel relaxed, recharged? Did you mentally were you were you good? Yeah, I had a good trip, and part part of the purpose was for all of us to hang out. You know, we um we, we actually talked a lot about an article we read that Matt, you'll appreciate it was very scientific. It was not Christian and it actually even had the F bomb in it. Yeah. Um, wow. Awesome. <laughs> no, but it was pretty cool just on sociology and technology. And so, um, yeah, we had a good time and I forgot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I actually, so got there super late Sunday night, uh, like two o'clock in the morning, Monday morning. So F-bomb. Priscilla and I could wake up and, because the the previous night we were hanging out at Toby and Jessica's house with Craig Gross and his wife, and we left there and um, just made the trip through the night. And uh, so we got there Sunday night, stayed until Thursday morning, and I did crash Wednesday night into a really deep dark depression. Uh, there it is. Now that's what Toby. Were you asking about that? Was that what you were getting at when you asked me had a good time? Were you fishing for him to say you got depressed? I had a feeling because Joey gets <laughs> mad at me, but I believe traveling yes. affects Joey. Yeah, I think it's sure. like a trigger or something like that. When Joey travels, does something. I don't know if it's like he's excited about the trip, and then when he gets yeah. there, he kind of crashes a little bit or whatever. But every for time sure. he comes, or yeah. we do living room shows, or podcasts, he comes out with Emory, yeah, anything. Solid. Usually he a day or two a, in, it usually happens. So. He always says a deep dark depression. Yeah. <laughs> Does, so is that what happened here, Joey, or do you contest that that happens to you normally? Because our observation is that's very normal for you. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, my Priscilla would definitely agree with you guys, and I'm just trying to, I'm not trying to, like, have this faith opposition to it, saying, like, I'm not going to be- believe that so it won't happen, but I, I don't want it to deter me from traveling, so I don't want it to I be see. on the forefront but there was kind of a major trigger that triggered it, and I'm I'm not going to tell you guys because I'm really embarrassed. Um, so you guys will just have to live with that. But I why can't you uh, tell? If it's, if it's like protecting someone's safety or their uh, name or something like that, and I can see that. But your simple embarrassment isn't reason enough for me. We'll take it easy on you. Just give yeah, us just the details. <laughs> no, nope, that's nope. not a good enough reason. We'll go, we'll say it, you can't leave our listeners. That's not a good like enough this. reason. It's just simple embarrassment. It's well, here's the thing, though, is when when you get depressed, like you seriously, um, you you have very irrational thinking, like right. like but, for so example, I, I know, but that'll when, fully when, further illustrate what you're talking about here. I we have won't, unbelievable irrational thinking most days. Like I I have like for example, when I'm depressed, and I'm at home. I have really irrational thoughts about mm-hmm. me being like a really bad dad and you know screwing up my kids and not spending enough time with them and yeah. like r- really worrying about their future and like I, I will seriously be so deep into it like I'll, I'll sometimes like it's weird I should know better I've, I've struggled with depression enough to where I should be able to step out yeah. of myself almost and identify hey this is depression this isn't real right. but man I'm telling you like that's that's part of the depression is you really so how does that apply here because first of all whatever you say here i think people are going to identify with so i think it's totally fine i know lots of people that are depressed and they say really the same thing i hear a lot of time if i'm uh, dealing with other people depressed if if they say when i'm really dark and when i am really depressed i just can't stop these thoughts about how bad of a father joey is is one of the common ones you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) they always go through the same thing So what happened? What is it? Spill the beans, dude. You, you guys aren't going to let me off the hook, I, are you? No, I, I, we won't make fun of you. We'll, 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 we'll just we just want to know the information. No, there's there's just there's no way that y'all can't make fun of me. Okay, like, well I, then we I, will. But still, let's do it. We'll do it in right, love. So, in love. So, uh, like this was the original trigger, but then this just led to all sorts of things. It led to me just hating my surroundings, just wanting to get through the night. Like after we were finished with our night stuff, I just went straight to bed where the other nights I stayed up playing games, talking with people and all that stuff. But uh, I had an irrational trigger that Bad Christian was coming to an end. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's good. That's good. I like that. That's enough. Yeah. Well, you got any more details on that? Like what 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 was precipitated that? Yeah, it was – it was as simple as um, like our uh, stats being incredibly low with the John Mark McMillan, which obviously uh, has picked up. But like to me, that was like, oh man, like this is this is a super bad sign. And I think you guys kind of catch on to how I think, and I think y'all mess with me a little bit too, which that has nothing to do with uh, me getting depressed. But I seriously. Uh, yeah, I mean, my mind just went in a downward spiral <laughs> <laughs> because of a down a half of day of downloads numbers weren't where you thought they should be. Yeah, yeah, I was just <laughs> like, well, I guess that's it, and you know, this thing that I enjoy that I think God is really using, I guess, it's just coming to a close. That's it. <laughs> That'll be that. I, I mean, I, you texted me and Bunda, and I definitely am always messing with you with that because that doesn't mean anything. Like it. Just, 
it never matters. The, the the first day or first four hours of numbers don't mean anything. Well, any episode doesn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> like all, and and all the episodes always do good though. I mean, for yeah. it, they really all, all do good. Doesn't matter. Like th- that was just a maybe that slow day, but the next day it picked up. The next day it picks up. So you yeah, can't. totally. So when you start doing that, yeah, I guess I probably added to your depression because I was like, I always go right along with you and bundle like it's terrible i just don't know <laughs> hopefully i don't know if we'll, what we can do but if we could improve anything that would be really good but i'm totally joking i'm not, i mean this podcast does really well also, yeah also joey let's learn the lesson remember pastors are the ones that are always worried about the weekly numbers we, we're not going to fall victim to that in our in our, <laughs> in our job okay let's not measure giving and numbers we'll keep you from those from now on <laughs> right, right. Yeah. All right, we've been having a great time out on tour, and I want to tell you a story about it, Joey. But first, I'm going to tell you about something else, and that's Harry's razors. So let me tell it to you this way. I have become a professional at packing for travel and for tour. I, I take no, half a backpack full of clothes. I mean, I get it down to nothing. I have to carry almost nothing with me. That's the whole point of traveling. But something I do carry and took extra care to pack was my Harry's razor and an extra blade and Harry's shaving cream and aftershave gel that I love because that's stuff that I love. I took that and a, to- a toothbrush, and that's about it. The blades are incredible. It's a great shave. There's this really weighty handle. And then I just ordered some more blades. I pay for them. They come to my house. I got a pack of eight blades the other day. I packed two of them, put that thing in. I got a little zipper pack. I put them in and I brought my Harry's razors on tour. And I'm excited because I'm going to shave today. We have a nice bathroom and I'm going to clean myself up. I love Harry's razors. Toby and Joey, you guys do as well. I know. So for many of us, shaving is a pain and it sucks. It's uncomfortable. It causes nicks, cuts, scrapes, razor burn. And the worst part, the Razor blades are outrageously expensive. So enter Harry's. It was started by two guys that want to make a better product without, and you don't have to pay an arm and a leg to get it. So here's the thing about Harry's that I like more than anything is the awesome, efficient business model. It allows for factory direct pricing. They've got their stuff together and they've they've set up a product that's great for me and for our listeners and we appreciate it. And so even better than that, even better than all that is you can get $5 off if you use our coupon code BCPOD. So go to harrys.com now, and Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in BCPOD with your first purchase. That's H A R R Y S.com and enter coupon code BCPOD at checkout for $5 off and start shaving better today. All right, Joey, let me tell you this. Uh, I got a good first day of, of tour story here about toby we uh got we got situated with as cities burn on the first night we played new orleans it was show was house of blues their bus is there our bus is there and uh it's super hectic on the first day getting in there and everything so we get there i just got to say hey to like two of the guys in the band before our set and then before that they play right after us so then when we get done with the uh show Joey, Toby and I was like, all right, let's go chill on that City's Burn bus. They have a real, real cool bus, a real nice one. And uh, we also were out of, happened to be out of beer, which might have had something to do with it. So right. we went over to their bus to, to get a beer and say hey to all those guys and hang out and chill with them. So I walk on the yep. bus first, take us two steps up into the big uh, part of the room there, and Toby gets in the first step. And it's like you're seeing your friends that you hadn't seen in a long time that you're super close to and and – that we like to hang out with and tease and be rough with. And Toby steps on the bus and goes, what's up, motherfuckers? And his most bellowing voice that he has as loud as he can be. And I'm standing at the top, but... I think I'm walking onto a bus with all our friends right. who we hadn't seen in maybe a year or, or something. But it turns out all of the band members weren't there. In fact, none of them were. There was simply... 
Cody, the lead singer's 51-year-old aunt standing in the middle of the bus. Who <laughs> 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 was there just to get some stuff off the veggie tray. And stand in the middle of the bus. Other than that, it's an empty bus. And Toby and I walk all in a, in a horrifying, I can only imagine a horrifyingly threatening manner. Oh my gosh, was Cody mad? No, no, no. no, no. She didn't even care. She no, was she nice. was cool. We she sat was... down with her and drank a beer. So Toby and I and his aunt, to smooth it over, we could, we didn't just say sorry. We, left. we sat yeah. down and talked to her for 15 minutes. It's hilarious, <laughs> though, thinking of Matt. The, Matt walks on, and as he's staring at a, a 51-year-old woman, th- that is yelled directly behind him. <laughs> Awesome. It's been a crazy tour though. We are our air condition is still not fixed. That's why we're here in El Paso. We drove through the night last night. We left the show immediately after our set and drove five hundred and fifty miles yep. to get here to El Paso this morning at seven AM to get our generator fixed. Because we have not had air condition. We've just been riding around in our bus. It's been in hundreds of degrees. Heat. Yeah, it's crazy. And and Joey, you were thinking about coming out on this tour. I'm so glad you didn't because the heat and travel, you would have lost your mind. I mean it's it, a nightmare. It, 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 I mean Andy started spiraling a little bit <laughs> just because of the heat. Andy, yeah. our bass player, and yeah, he was like, he started what? He started, he started kind of spiraling what? a little bit. He said he was laying there because yeah. when you lay, he gets your, depressed too. It, it's seriously like laying in an oven at night. You're just laying in your bed and there's no cool air. It is just hot and like eighty something degrees at least, eighty five to yeah. ninety degrees in the bus, sweating. And Andy felt like he was going to freak out. And he just got up and walked around and walked outside and went into a Walmart and just walking around. It was just, it's been terrible, but. We think they have it fixed, so that's why we're actually recording this podcast. Yeah, that's right now. what makes a really interesting side effect of this is Toby and I are in a conference room at a Cummings Onan uh, generator repair place, a big diesel truck place. So it's like a really nice big office, and we're in a big conference room at a big wood table with our mics sitting across from each other in the air conditioner and these nice chairs. It feels like we're like almost in a broadcast studio. So that's been that's really nice. Oh, we're gonna do really a, try cool. and, we're gonna try try and do two episodes here while we're here today. Sweet. So we just drove all the way across West Texas, which is a, the weirdest drive in the world. It's like the most isolated, barren place. It, you know, it kind of looks like no country for old men for about eight hours straight. Totally. You don't see anything at all. And it's, it's the weird thing. Like I, I always think about this kind of stuff when we're on tour a lot is like uh, I guess it creates some just base level anxieties or something. I was just thinking, man, I'm so far away from home now and we're so far out in the middle of nowhere. What would happen if – something happened like is there what if i couldn't get on an airplane to go home what if something happened i, I thought what if like the power grid went out what if it was like a, a semi what i'd call a semi-apocalypse where and uh this oh, i think this wow. is interesting to think through um if you had a, what i'm going to call a semi-apocalyptic event let's say an emp came down and disabled all technology that was that was uh com- that had anything to do with computerized Computer. or circuits that's what the, the uh technology would be gone. So mechanical things such as perhaps old cars would work, but no computers or phones or high and technology. Most new would cars wouldn't work. Yeah, and I kept, kept just kept thinking, well, what would we do? Would we drive? We couldn't really drive. I mean, the, the roads would lock up with all the computer cars. You know, roads would be blocked, everything. And I guess I'd just have to try to go home. I think I'd have to walk home, really. And I was, I was trying to calculate how many miles I could cover in a day and figure out if I could get home or not from the middle of Texas to Seattle. Like, would I get home in four months or something yeah. like that? So, I mean, so I, would, I, would have to, I would have to go the exact opposite direction. I mean, that, this is why that would be really crazy. Our band... Our bus either it. First of all, if our bus works, who gets it? Right? Would we literally, the roads would even though blocked, we're friends? Would you? Know. Yeah, but you'd want to take it for a little while. Yeah. Not not out in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Yeah. There wasn't hardly any cars. You could have driven 
definitely to El Paso without any yeah. blockage. So you think it'd be the kind of situation where we we all have to go different directions. That's the weird thing. Yeah. Josh and I would have to go to Seattle, Toby go to South Carolina, Dave to Indy, Andy right. to Kansas. So there'd be a point where we would walk away from each other, I guess, right? Yeah, we'd be we'd like, to go the and I'll way. never see you again, as far as I know. Yeah. Right? I think first thing I would do is try to probably find a motorcycle. Like, what are those called? Like an en- enduro? Is that what it is? Like, it's a, it's like like a, a dirt bike, bike, but yeah. it goes off all, yeah. all too. Um, I think I'd try to do that. But the crazy thing about that thought is, if we if last night in the middle of nowhere, Texas, in between San Antonio and El Paso, how long would it take you to get home? Yeah. Like, if you, Months. If, if you couldn't drive, roads were blocked, you couldn't get cars, everybody's fighting over them, all that stuff. It, that is a crazy thought. It would literally, immediately, that quickly, it would go back to and you worse than the 1800s. And you wouldn't be able to communicate or send a letter or nothing. I mean, you know what I mean? They wouldn't, you, yeah, you wouldn't have, like, access to horses right. or even, wagons. Even the mail wouldn't go through the way it used to. You know, it's like, used to, even then, you could have mailed yeah. something. And Bridget and, and Georgia wouldn't think, might not think They wouldn't know alive. if I was ever coming home, yeah. And it'd be weird. But what, what's interesting is it's a, that would be a semi-apocalyptic event. And I'm thinking, Joey, what do you hey, think what, about... I, go ahead. Well, I... I was just going to say, at what point do you guys throw morals out the window to get to Bridget and Jessica? Um, I, I well, I'll put it this way: I do. I How did, quickly do you think it would go down? First? Well, that's what I, that's what I think is really interesting about. It. Like, I know I would behave ways that I wouldn't in a normal society. For right. instance, I probably would. I would definitely steal a bicycle. Right. Right. Yeah. I might hurt somebody to take their bicycle. You think you would do I, that? I think I would be capable of such. Yes. I don't know if I like, would. Right, like uh, right at the onset, like. Okay, I don't know. this just happened. I've got to get to Bridget. I'm going to do whatever right, it takes. At some I'm point, I, maybe not right out. Maybe I try to rationalize it. But at some point, you'd do something. Like if somebody had a bike and they were just using it to make runs into town, but I needed to get traveled 1,500 miles, then I would say, I'm sorry. I'm just going to have to take this from you. Or I'd steal it. Or maybe I'd try to t- hit them and take it. Maybe, hopefully. I don't know. Something like that. I think but, the first thing I would do, like if, it, if last night this would have happened, the first thing I would do would probably be to kill everybody in the band. Kill everybody. Just to prove yeah. to myself that I'll do whatever it just takes for my family. Just to take alpha status. I just want to know I'll do whatever it takes for yeah. my family. So I'd kill you first, yeah. Matt. Sorry. <laughs> and then I would have the bus. I'd try to drive the bus. And then I would try to go. But I do think, yeah. You'd I, wind up on foot. I, or, here's or the thing. I think it, w- when the culture changes and everything's off the table, yep. you go, wait a minute. To, for my family to survive, I need this bicycle or something. Yeah, but it, it would be really harder than you think. But but everybody would be a lot meaner and tougher. It wouldn't be like a nice older lady. Oh, sure. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, the whole climate would change. stole the bike already. Right. It's like a riot or a mob. Everybody changes collectively in an instant. But what yeah. I, what I think is interesting is this made me think of this, and I believe – that we have, we're so entrenched with, and we love apocalyptic movies and TV shows and zombie this and that. Now, in this case, there would be no zombies. Like that's why I keep saying semi-apocalyptic right. event. I wonder if we've trained and this type of conversation and even the religious right and the save, you know, have guns and save up your stuff for the end times. I wonder if all that stuff that's so entertaining to us has caused us to win. If we had something that was only kind of bad. Are we all ready to jump into the extra bad cutthroat mode as a society because, because of our watch so much? Yeah, because you go, oh, I've seen this happen on TV. The roads are all blocked now. You have to start like killing people you or have something. To, yeah. yeah. So I wonder if we would overreact to a semi-apocalyptic really event. Now, my guess is that we would. My guess is that we would over instead of oh, all we got to do is right. figure this out, make communities, get lists, try to set up communication networks. Yeah. It would just be maybe it would be every man for himself. It the would, worst thing is honestly you. 
any of us, me, even even Charleston's big enough. I think cities would be the worst. Immediately, resources and supplies would be just everybody's fighting yeah. over them because it's but, limited. But don't you think at the, these the, it's interesting the fantasy that everybody has about it. like the Christian version of it is end times, yeah. and then there's the, you know the Walking Dead version of it. Everybody right. expresses this myth of it's. Uh, it's I mean, I've had this conversation with Andy Gill. Yeah. It's appealing to me, like if it, to everybody. If it went down, I would just think, man, what if it was my responsibility tomorrow is just live, get food. Like the old days. What do you think drives that, just that thought process? Though? What do you think, Joey, what do you think is so appealing about that myth or that possibility? Well, is it appealing to you too, Joey? Well, I, I, yeah, I used to fantasize about this, but for like, Matt, you nailed it when you said it looks different for everybody. For me and my brother in middle and high school, growing up in Pentecostal churches, everybody was obsessed with the rapture. And so for yeah. us, it was, man, if we got left behind, we would go red dawn on everybody, and that's that's exactly right. what we fantasized was red dawn. It was the first PG PG thirteen movie of all time. It was about a group of high schoolers where Russia attacks America and the high schoolers you know, fight Swayze. the Russians. Yeah. yeah, but they it was it was kind of they went to the store. They just grabbed a bunch of stuff, grabbed a bunch of guns. Like all the rules were out of the window. Law was out of the window because they had to do whatever it took. They went you know away isolated place so yeah i would think i i think it's fun because it's adventurous uh, what about I think now though with your family wife and kids though yeah that's not a fun thought for me at all yeah not no that thought. would be hard that's what i'm saying the trip for me to get back home would be quite an adventure but then when i got back home to regular life and found them it would be like really shitty after that oh, yeah that would be the worst <laughs> but i mean think think about all the stuff that's out of the window that you don't have to think about anymore you know what I'm saying? I well, mean, I have another yeah. relative, a moral relative question there, and it sheds a little bit of light because everybody knows that the whole, everybody's morals, well, ethics, and morality would change in an instant. Totally. It would. Yeah. And so that sheds some light on, or just if you look back at the Old Testament, oh, well, there had to be, the culture was different, they had to be this way or that way. And so, I mean, really, that, you know, we had a culture not long ago where we had slavery, and that was the culture, right. for instance, and that's just the way it is. So things that you, that we have real strong ethics now, are maybe not as connected to sin or not sin as they seem to be in, in our culture, is what I feel like. Like some stuff that is sinful now is really more just unethical now. Like what do you, like what do you say? Like slavery wasn't seen as sinful to American Christians, right. But now it, but now it is. So right. theoretically it could go the other way again. Right? Huh. Right. Like if it's just all world, relative. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's a, it's an error. I'm not saying slavery wasn't right. a sin. Then I'm just you're saying that maybe the, I've misspoken on that. But what I'm saying is what's seen as sin is is completely relative and arbitrary for the time. For instance, we may see homosexuality. Nobody thinks it's possible. I'm not projecting this or thinking this. It's impossible that in a hundred years or in a different scenario, there's no, almost nobody who thinks homosexuality is a sin. That's possible. So what you're saying is in a, like a or slavery post apocalyptic world. Nothing's off the table, and you actually get to see the real sinful uh, side of humanity because there's not a cultural. No, I'm saying construct. it's possible. It's possible for society to go a different direction, and then maybe slavery is back in, and people that are Christians also yeah, don't but, think it's but, sinful but anymore. But the, well, yeah, I mean, you say that because it looks it looks like it might it would be worth it. Like the it would make sense. The strongest then. people, and then we justify it as not sin, which is what we've always done all through Christian history, right? But what, I mean, but, they, but sinful we'll nonetheless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. It is sinful, absolutely. But our viewpoint and acceptance of it as a Christian culture seems to just change almost at will based on the right. cultural what what we're up what to. What are you going to say, time. Joey? Well, I was just going to say, like, imagine your favorite actor, like let's let's say a, a Harrison Ford, old school 
type guy and you run into him during this season and he's got he's loading his gun he's just like yeah man i'm i'm a born-again christian i love jesus and i gotta do whatever it takes to protect my family you know and I, i've i've killed a couple guys because they were trying to steal our food like you your mind would not go oh man this dude is messed murderer. up like yeah. you, you you'd be like you huh? murderer that dude's legit man you know I do think people what, – what I think is you would see the worst in people because such a high demand and lack of supplies and resources, and the strongest people would get those things, just like now the richest people get those things. In this world, money And they're justified, matter, but the and str- we know that right. a lot of the absurd capitalistic stuff and rich people right. is just justified. We know a lot of this American greed is sinful. We, we don't right. identify it that way. We, I tell you, though, what is, probably not what happen is so. the, the non-rich common guy – would probably rule in that world because the richer maybe have less survival skills because they're so well taken care of. So I think I tell you those up. Christian anarchists like Josh Dyes would change their tune real quick, wouldn't they? Yeah, and he, <laughs> I was just gonna. He might not. I was just gonna say that I listened to. Uh, in, in fact, when I got off the phone with y'all, uh, with when we talked before the Shane Claiborne episode, uh, I was telling y'all I was going jogging. I listened to the Josh Dyes interview for the first time. And I think about, you know, some of the stuff he talked about. I think in like an apocalyptic age, if it was just me, I think I would take the mentality of Jesus. I'd be like, okay, this is end times. People need to see the love of Jesus. You know, if someone says, I want all your food, maybe I would just be like, okay, man. Yeah, but with my kids, there's just no way. I mean, right or wrong, I just don't care. I would do anything to protect my wife and kids. Like you would definitely sinfully slaughter people to protect them. Right, right. You yes. Just would. You think most people? Would? Yes. If I if I knew they were definitely a threat to my kids, now I wouldn't kill somebody. I don't think I could bring myself to kill somebody for food. Like I, we're hungry. I'm going to kill yeah. you if you don't give me food. I mean, but this raises a, another interesting question: Is so our whole culture then once again just is how we view god because even in a post-apocalyptic world or whatever you should still trust that jesus will provide and that right. jesus will save you and that you'll go to heaven even if you die and you should give not right. both both tunics off your back and not keep your food or whatever you should share with everybody yeah. that would be what the christian would do but what we're saying is they won't that most christians we won't i do won't. that right i'm not going i'll probably be wrong but i'll, I'll probably that week or something yeah I mean, yeah, well, I'm not relativistic myself. So right now, you're you are literally saying that we're talking about a fantasy. This most likely, hopefully, won't happen. But your Christianity right now is based on your lifestyle and how you're alive. No, I make I make sinful decisions now, and in that climate, that the sense. sinful decisions think- I would be making would probably be along the lines. <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't look as much, uh, let's say, internet porn, porn in my, <laughs> but I might murder just a bit more than I do now. Something like that. <laughs> hey, Lord, you, I don't look at porn I, anymore. I haven't looked once since the computers went offline. I, killed, I, look. I killed Steve and Shirley, but they had it coming. They had all no. those baked beans. I tried to have an accountability group for my murdering, but it's it just seems like the right thing to do. I had, I thought I had, I had to murder it, them. I'm addicted to it. <laughs> hey, you know what's crazy is there there is a passage in the Bible where it's talking about the relativity of sin, and they do compare murder with adultery. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, the same same person that commits adultery murders, same person that murders. Could, you know, it's all. Yep. I was like, wow. So murder was different back then. It just was. I mean, especially when you think of how uh, little it was removed from, you know, just the the Old Testament days where, I mean, killing was just. Yeah. 
looked at differently. I mean, well, I would just what, say man. don't make the mistake of thinking that the way culture and society are uh, is n- necessarily a one-way ticket. It, it, I'm not predicting any. I, I don't. I think this is the best, most benevolent time, the most yeah. advanced, best humans have ever been. However, that does not mean that some event out of our uh, control would turn it back, turn back the clocks totally. on what you know the way we see see things and do things. That's so, it. So. And probably depending on where you live at too, the the religious right would get really scary in that world. Yeah, legalistic yeah. control. Oh, you did this, kill them. You know, a scarlet letter type thing, maybe. Right. Right. Definitely. It's scary. So, sure. to- Toby, let me ask you this. As you're walking to Charleston, do you assume, well, I know Joey is going to my house to make sure my family's okay. Like, do you, Is that like a check off your mind? You're like, well, I know me and Joey are best friends. He's definitely going to go get my kids and my wife. You know what? I, I would want to say yeah, but I don't know if I'd really have confidence in that because what if you couldn't? Like, what if stuff got really bad really quickly? But I think it wouldn't get that – if. Like right now, if all power was gone, what would be the first thing you would think? Find your family. Well, what if Priscilla is 15 miles away and your kids are at school? You, that's going to take right. you days, if not weeks, to find them. Maybe longer, yeah. just in your own town. I mean, if your kids are all at school, hopefully you can get there and get them, and hopefully Priscilla can walk back. But, I mean, yeah. you know, what, what, well, it, yeah. if some of that right. stuff happens and things get crazy, and God forbid being a woman or a child in that time, that's just Well, you know, it, the power going – the main thing is the, 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 what I'm defining as semi-apocalyptic will mean that there is no existential threat. There aren't zombies right. killing you. There isn't a super virus that people – you know, there isn't a terrorist group blasting each – attacking each city every day yeah. you know it's, it's just people who are normal and fine there's no enemy we just lost the technology so it's not yeah. that bad so we Hopefully. probably could set up networks and it'll get worse stuff, quickly but, it, but the other thing is for sure i mean i don't even know if people know this joey is the worst worst human ever with directions i don't think he'd find my house and never make it back to his no he'd be a wanderer for life I know, he'd never see anybody I think, it, <laughs> I think it's in the woods here we just be walking by himself forever. <laughs> That's something. Okay, let's take a break here, and then we're going to talk to our good old friend Michael Gunger. He's see, what, see what he's up to. Well, good evening. We are Amberlynn. Thanks for being here tonight. And uh, tonight's going to be different than any other show we have ever played. Ever. As a kid, I remember one of my favorite bands, local bands there in Central Florida, played a show in New York City, and for me, my mind was absolutely blown. I couldn't believe that someone I knew was gonna play New York, because for me, it was like beyond anything I could possibly ever dream, and at that point, thought I could ever achieve. And I think that's why New York City has such a special place in my heart. Not only has that been such an influential music town, um, but I think the fact that, man, if you can make it in New York City, you can make it anywhere. And so that night playing Cities, front to back was one of the most incredible experiences of my entire life. Knowing that it was one of our last shows we were ever going to play, but also being able to surprise the audience at the end of the, the night and play Never Take Friendship Personal front to back was absolutely incredible. So Never Take Friendship Personal came out in May, and right now, Cities Live in New York City is available. Let's check out a track from that record right now. Do you remember? 
Hey guys, this is Stephen Christian from Amberlynn, here to tell you that both albums, Never Take Friendship Personal and Cities Live in New York City, will be available on a double vinyl. Never Take Friendship Personal will be on a royal blue variant, and Cities is an orange crush variant. The double vinyl will be available in August. All of these, plus an exclusive shirt and a limited edition Amberlynn pennant, are now available at toothandnail.merchline.com. Michael, you ready to have a good time? We're going to cut up and get loose. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, well, party Michael, animal, we Michael Kunker, <laughs> dude, calm the hell down, bro. <laughs> well, when we have a guest back, it means that that person ought to have ought to have been somebody that we enjoyed or clicked with or thinks has a good thing. So it should be a lot more comfortable the second time around. So we are expecting you to be loose and cut up. And uh, whatever we got to do to have a good conversation here, yeah. Because last so, time, well, a lot's happened. Yeah, well, last time we talked to Go him, it, it has to be better because it was like the the worst, shittiest possible stuff. All <laughs> it was like I couldn't believe it. We were talking to you, and you're like, yeah. And then our house that we were trying to sell fell through. And I was like, how can it get, can it get any worse? <laughs> yeah, it was a rough time. I remember I was like, and even just I remember the conversation. I was at a, at a lake. I remember it was at my parents' lake house trying to find service, and I was like cramped into this little corner trying to have service, telling you all my woes, just the whole experience. <laughs> and you were cramped outside of a lake house then, and right now you're, you're just perched on the bench outside of an emergency room, apparently. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Hey, so was it, uh, was it therapeutic, or was it a pain in the ass to talk to us about all that? Oh, it was nice. It was a, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. Well, what was going on then? It was it was when when you came out of the closet as being a Genesis non literalist. Yeah, no, honestly, right? it's it's. Uh, I mean, it, <laughs> it it sounds funny in retrospect. It's just so unbelievable. It's horrible. They they had a friend that passed away just the day before he talked to us, and then your daughter was heading into another surgery. Correct. Yeah, so it was like not right then, but this how surgery she, was up how maybe the next doing, month man? or something. Doing, yeah. Man? She's doing amazing. Dang, that's the awesome. surgery was perfect. She, she, they don't think she's going to need any more. So that was a, it was a major deal. It was like an open heart surgery, and it was terrifying. And we, uh, she, she went through it, and it was amazing. Like her, the doctor said she, they couldn't have hoped for any better of a, uh, a result. Yeah, so, I, I seriously well, could yeah. not imagine like thinking of my kid having to have open heart surgery like i just i i can't even fathom what that must have been like like that's just crazy god and you guys were going through all of this like all this stuff happened yeah like like getting back to what matt said that's when like yeah you, you know they had brought up like i thought it was interesting i actually went back and was listening to the podcast joey and i were and uh just the stuff that you even <laughs> hey said. toby you're you, sorry toby say that again but your mic's way low compared to joey joey's normally real quiet but you're real quiet yeah, i see why sorry uh michael's a little low for us too so that's why i'm, I'm having to adjust some stuff but um all right let me hear joey again check because y'all are different check one two check one right. two toby you're a little bit loud now sorry okay sorry about that i'll bring michael up Just again a little bit. it might give you a little more echo but that's here fine. he goes Say that again about 
Yeah, so so uh, I actually went back and was uh, listening to the podcast that we did with you, Michael, and it was interesting. One of the things that, that stood out to me, too, was that when we were talking about the literal, uh, taking the Genesis literally, the story, some of the stories in Genesis literally, you were that wasn't even anything new you had said that week. or the, you, know, you know what I mean? Like that was stuff that you had written in the past, even, and they had just gotten drudged up. But uh, I kind of wanted to move on from that and say, like, so after we talked to you last what happened? I mean, did was the did that kind of blow over, or did it get worse? No, it didn't get worse. I feel like, and actually, I I am hopeful that you guys actually helped things a little bit because uh, it did. I you know it, it seemed to get markedly better, but I don't know. I still don't know whether it's um, better in the sense that you know the people that would be upset about that have just written us off and don't talk to us anymore or and that our i think our audience has changed a little bit yeah i think we've shifted our audience a little bit um or if just people kind of moved on and like well all right you know you mean you shed off some Uh, of the the ultra conservative type people kind of thing most likely yeah it's hard it's hard to know at this point because we've been i mean we did the tour in the fall um but that was a switchfoot tour and so it was hard to know like who was their audience who was our audience yeah. yeah um and then since then we've been in the studio making this new music so it's kind of hard to know outside of i mean no uh, we don't see very as many or hardly any these days angry online comments anymore yeah. that's great um that's good news so i can't i can't yeah i don't know if it's that we've shifted our audience substantially or just that they forgave us or but it's it's much nicer out there now something interesting too and i was going to ask you about this um joey and i we just went and saw uh rob bell speak last night on his uh everything is spiritual tour and uh it was really interesting he was just talking about the blowback he got back from writing love wins and he said something interesting that um it was mostly kind of like just an internet thing. Like if he was walking down the street, a lot of the people that were angry and writing on the internet wouldn't even recognize him. And I was wondering, was that the case for <laughs> yeah. you? Like, 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 like being on a switchfoot tour, which maybe even is markedly Christian and, you know, fu- maybe fundamentalist or, or, you know, maybe even the, what, did they even know? Is it just like, is, is the internet so prevalent now that it, but that's, is that where it stays? Like in person, it doesn't even end up affecting you as much or did, or did it, is it, was it like mostly an internet thing? Well, I think the internet is bizarre in that it makes people feel anonymous in some way or like they would never – most of the trolls on the internet, if you meet them face-to-face, are little puppy dogs. Yeah. You know, it's like they're, <laughs> but they're not going to say the things that they say online. You say it on a comment board, you feel safe and insulated and, uh, you know, they're not a real human being that you're talking to. Yeah. They're just yeah. this idea. Um, so I think most – most people, when they meet you face to face, I met. A, I mean, during that tour, I had several people come up um, that were aware of all that, and you could tell some of them were some of the people that were kind of upset by it. But when you talk to them face to face, it was that it was exactly that. It was like, well, can you can you explain yourself? You know, I mean, they were like far more sheepish and yeah. human, mm-hmm. and just like rather than you're a heretic, so nobody would come up and like yell at me or anything like that. Um, I think even it's interesting. You know, I remember going, you know, if you even see most of the crazy like protesters and stuff. I was in Vegas last year. I remember seeing some of those, the protester people on the strip that were just 
holding up these signs. But then now and then a person would come and talk to them. And it, and when the per, one person actually came and talked to their face, even though just five seconds earlier, they were just screaming this crazy rhetoric. It's hard to scream at somebody's face. Like, it yeah, would, yeah. you know, like when they're actually talking to you. Um, so even, even out in that, it like would calm them down. Um, so this whole thing has taught me quite a bit about communication. About sociology? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And what people are, um, you know, I thought we did a, on our podcast, the liturgist podcast, we did an episode on LGBTQ. Um, let me set, let me tell people about that so you don't even have to toot your own horn. What I wanted to say was you have been really figuring out some stuff sociologically and for your career. And I, sitting back and watching it, I hadn't paid a t- ton of attention to you or your career up until uh, we talked then. But since then, you've been doing a kick-ass job, I must yeah, say. The Liturgist yeah. podcast is incredible. The stuff you do with him. I know you're friends with and know Rob Bell as well and Science Mike and all that. And so also, you're, you're, the way you're doing your music and what that podcast is, the LGBTQ episode that you put out a while ago, I heard some rumors of some numbers on that and it sounds astronomical. And then now you're putting out... So your new album thing that you're doing is One Wild Life uh, that that thing, and you did an episode about that where you're marketing it to your people on that, and I heard that that was really successful too. So I want to congratulate you on figuring out how to use real communication and media in an honest way that is working. So that that from my point of view, things are going super well for you. I'm really glad that that that's been going on. Is that your experience? Yeah, thank you for that. And yes, it's it's been so nice to not feel like I'm in the closet at all in any way. You know what I mean? Like, and, and not, not that I really felt that before, but with the podcast and everything, being able to just fully discuss the issues that we're talking about. Yeah. And, and one thing that I've really learned is as, you know, rather than a blog post, a quick blog post about some ideas, then that it just, I don't think that it rarely changes a mind, yet alone a heart on something. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but stories do. Yeah. And when people can like kind of hear your voice, it's one clep- one step closer to being face-to-face. Um, and, then, and then when you can tell stories about why you're engaging with the ideas you're engaging with and you can yeah. kind of live that through. It's just conversation is far healthier and we've had just so much. I Like I thought I literally have a – it's sort of like a suicide note, it, like a career suicide note on my phone, um, like a video note journal. What before we posted the LGBTQ episode, I was like, I know. I mean, if if Genesis, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If Genesis, if Genesis did what it did to us, this is literally gonna kill us. Yeah. So I put like, I wasn't gonna post it. I finished editing it, and I was like. I can't. I kept like texting Mike. I was like, "Dude, I don't know if I can do this. It's gonna kill me." Um, yeah. And so, but then I listened to it one more time, and I was like, "I, this is too important. Like these stories and what these people. It like, is. I, yeah. I have to. If if it kills me, I, I guess this is what's gonna kill me. So I like, I didn't know what to do. So I just pushed record on my phone like a video. Like here's the end, guys, or my, whoever <laughs> myself. Um, I'm about to send this, and I'm freaking. And so I was like, freaked out. Um, and then every minute, just waiting, waiting as soon as we push post 
for the tweets to start for Facebook to kick in. And well, we the reason it didn't, because differently than that Genesis thing, and I'm so glad you're figuring that out or, or, or figuring it out, is that uh, it is the voice. It is the story. Those, are, those stories on the episode are so well done. It's undeniable. You can't just go, I'm mad at those assholes on that show that he talked to. You just can't do that like you could with a blog post. And, the, and it is funny that you'd follow up a controversy thing theologically with one that was much much more of a hotbed <laughs> thing like this but i think it's worked i mean it's not like a strategy to stir up controversy it's very clear and honest uh exploration of a of a important topic and so i think that that's i mean that has to be like one of the biggest things that's that's really helped you move forward and and be able to do other stuff and combining your music with it and everything yeah, did so the genesis thing that, make you that's more really brave? good you think it gave you a little bit more courage I think it no, I think it made me um it actually made me more cautious. I think uh, that episode we would have done that episode if the Genesis thing wouldn't have happened, we would have done that episode, and I would have been more brash about things. I would have yeah. said things more cavalierly um and not I hate people like that <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think there's you know I don't know i because I do think I like I like when people are honest, and I, I'm not. I I don't share that. Like if somebody disagrees with me about something, that doesn't like offend me. Even somebody I respect, or you know, like that. So if somebody says something I don't agree with, I don't. That doesn't freak me out. Um, but seeing how some people respond to conflict like that, I wanted to make it. And it was too big. Of, again, it was too big of an issue and too important of a conversation to get in the way of it with being you know uncouth um so i just wanted to uh be humanizing and transcending polarizing sides and you know i think a lot of that is the result of what happened um, the production style of it is so cool of that way of doing a podcast is that like your dream is to spend a bunch of time and produce episode with interviews and clips and multiple things It'd be fun to do more like that in the future. That takes, like you guys know, I mean, to, just to do the podcast takes a lot of time and energy. Um, and if it became, you know, if I, I don't have time to, like, do that all myself every time. Well, you but need a staff then, like Ira Glass has or something. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> hey, Yeah, well, that's what it takes to do that all the time. But I, for important issues like that, you know, now and then we want to do one where I kind of really dive into the production like that just to, to be able to have that conversation in the best way possible yeah so ha having gone through what you went through in 2014 with with the the church and your fans and all that stuff i know this word is overused but it just fits and i think everybody knows what i'm talking about when i say tribe like do you feel that as far as your following and your fans are concerned you're you're in you have a different tribe following you like it, has there been a huge sect of the christian mainstream that are like i'm done with michael gunger I don't know yet. Yeah. I yeah. I really I really don't know. I'm, I'm figuring that out. I it seems to me, I mean, I know the Liturgist podcast is a far more It's really funny to me because we started the Liturgist podcast to or not the the, the Liturgist period to kind of be to reach more of the Christian audience as Gunger sort of went more mainstream. Yeah. So I thought the Liturgist thing would be sort of our conservative world and Gunger would be the 
but it's it's been funny because the liturgist fans are actually often more progressive and wilder, crazier people um, <laughs> than some of the Gunger fans. So we, so that's an it's an interesting. I think a lot of the liturgist fans, there are some that never even heard of Gunger, um, which has been kind of funny um, to introduce our liturgist fans to our music because originally it was obviously it was like turning some of the Gunger fans onto liturgists was was the plan. Yeah. Um, but now, so we're trying to figure out where where Gunger fans are right now. I, I think I think there has at least been some um, new, you know, from the liturgist camp and from people that are probably more progressive camps, uh, people that are just kind of stumbling onto Gunger now. I think some of the old, uh, especially with this new record, some of the people that are hearing, you know, the first single that we put out from the One Wildlife has jesus in it yeah <laughs> i think a lot of the old christian fans are like thank they're singing jesus. About jesus you know what I mean? <laughs> he's back, he's back. <laughs> he's back. <laughs> we, we we went after the one we sheep and he has returned <laughs> hey do you, do, michael do you think and toby do you think that that would work and people talk about the scenarios all the time where somebody pretends to be christian and then they get up to win the award and they say it was all bullshit or whatever but do you think it would be a pretty good career move to go way in the, be christian go way in the tank and then have like a very conservative awakening and then go, go go way back like man i was way wrong and then you know what i mean wouldn't that be a huge thing for your career i don't know maybe like if you really like fell away and day. came back yeah. yeah yeah like pedro the line yeah exactly oh, yes. exactly oh man wouldn't that be couldn't yeah, i mean I, if you, I dave bazan so. wanted hey, to say man if dave bazan did that the christians would buy all of his old denying god albums because they'd be like this of course. Is a redemption story yeah. i'm gonna listen to this now yeah <laughs> hey i i wanted to say real quick that um for for our listeners that have not heard uh, Gunger's music, I, I mean, I, this is one of those things where I can say from a personal standpoint, it's just unbelievable. Like I was listening to y'all's most recent. Well, I guess it's not the most recent anymore, but I'm Mountain, and it's just such a good album. I mean, you guys are just incredible. I mean, it's just no uh, oh, thanks, it's man. Just such good music. Like, um, yeah, Michael, your thoughts on how incredible you are. <laughs> <laughs> This is. Uh, I have to say, I want to go. I can't op- help it. It's great stuff. I want to go. The op- You're going to pick on me. No, I'm not. I'm going to pick on Michael. I'm going to go the opposite, opposite direction. <laughs> All right. He. I'm he, ready. Matt and I are, are in a band and have done music, but Michael <laughs> does it way better. We started a podcast. Michael started a podcast. His does way better. It's like it's like that. And he's really nice. Right. He doesn't even. I mean, he doesn't even do anything bad. You know what I mean? Like like. Right. So we, Joey wants to jump ship hundred percent. If he could yeah. just switch over, we, that would we, be his I dream. I would kill for a giant controversy. Michael, I would love to say something where people got mad. <laughs> Michael, do you, I can't cuss enough. I can't do enough to get people to do anything. Michael, do you do you need a pastor on your podcast, man? I will admit to porn. I will do whatever you need. <laughs> <laughs> oh man hey so um tell tell us about you know matt mentioned it briefly but tell us about the the new thing that you guys are doing with your album as far as really you know touching on your fan base and getting the support and all that stuff let's be more specific than that tell That's us because i don't do. know the answer no, let me give him a better specific question <laughs> to, for him to jump in on. How about how is how are you running the music business of of Gunga right now as far as releasing or ownership and label? What what is your strategy to to handle the the current climate musically? What are you doing that's working or not working? Yeah, we've been really 
tremendously surprised with this season pass thing that we just did uh, to see it. Cause we've been sort of freaking out. Like when we re- announced the album release one wildlife, uh, it's actually, so it's a trilogy of albums and uh, let me, I'll get into the reason for that in a second, but we wanted to figure out, we were supposed to release it in, at the beginning of August and then Apple music's announcement came out that they were going to be launching June 30th. And, and then we found out they weren't going to be paying uh, artists. This is pre Taylor Swift letter. Yep. Um, they weren't going to be paying any artists for the first three months of people using it. Um, and that's right when we're going to release our album, which usually the first three months is when you make yep. the bulk of your money from an album. Um, and so we're like, well, that's not good timing. Yeah, um, people understand that. That is devastating because if, if you make a big chunk of your money right at release and if everybody could get it for the first time available on an Apple device for free during that time of your release, you know, as soon as the rumors came out about that happening, everybody was, you know, trying to scramble to change release yeah. dates. And I mean, that, that could be huge, like millions of people that not, I don't know about millions, but thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of fans that go that you know they don't feel bad because they're going to check it out before they buy it but then you lose your entire you know release week momentum of of sales at least yeah so we sorry um i'm hearing myself echo now lost you for a minute there too is it okay you guys hear me okay yeah yeah if you if you're good keep on going yeah you still hear echo are you okay to go or no uh did we lose him Michael, Michael, are you there? What happened? I didn't change nothing. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Are you okay now? I think uh, Lisa keeps trying to call me. Okay. okay. That's what's happening. If you can take a second me... answer. We're, we're, we're good. So just go ahead and take a second if you want to answer a call and get back. All right. One second. Let me just text her. I'll reset that okay. question. I'll reset my comment okay. and you can okay. continue on. So, All right. Wow. wow. So you actually, when you heard Apple Music was going to do that, decided to change your release date and strategy? Yeah. So we, we, we tried to rush everything and get it launched in June, um, like right away. And then because Apple was launching Apple Music, Apple was all screwed up in their store. And so it was just like waiting. And it, funny enough, it actually leaked on like Google Play and maybe Amazon or something for like a week. Okay. It was just sitting out there and we were like, nobody look, nobody look. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cause it was just out there. And then, so we canceled anyways, this whole thing, they never got it up. So we, but then Taylor's letter came out and they adjusted somewhat, which was pretty freaking amazing. Taylor Swift became like the, the hero for all the, Seriously. the musicians for, for a bit. Um, but anyway, so in all that we were, trying to figure out like how could we with apple going to to streaming like everybody else um we're also like does this mean i mean our sales done like apple is the only one i mean 90 something percent of our sales were apple that's right um and if apple sales go away and it's all streaming streaming's nice for finding new music but unless you're taylor swift or beyonce or somebody that can do hundreds of millions of streams, yeah. tens of millions of streams. Yeah. You can't make a living from streaming. Um, 
and most especially now with us with Lucy and everything, we can't tour quite as much as we used to. Um, you know, she's got therapy four times a week, and Amelie's, and so, you know, so we we have to be more selective about what we're going to take for dates. Yeah. So making music and selling music was a you know a big part of our is is a, the 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 bulk of our income for sure. Um, and so we're kind of freaking out. We're like, well, let's. What if we try to find our most loyal devoted fans and see if they'll still buy and maybe they'll just buy from us before we kind of throw it into the system um so so we did a a season pass offering for you know the three albums and you get the music early before before all the stores and stream streaming services get it um and it's done pretty well like it's so our so it lets our fans buy right from us we give them bonus content um they get the music early and the music the the money doesn't get doesn't go to Apple and Spotify and everywhere. It goes directly to like making the music and helping us do this. And um, so it's been phenomenal. And, and the, the fans have been super supportive about it and excited to get the music early and excited with the bonus content and stuff. So uh, it's been, I think this, it's going to have to be this kind of thing. I think that's, we're going to have to get creative as an industry. And, and so, continuously, like we're going to have to continue to be, that, that'll work now and it won't work and something else. You have to be creative again in some yeah, period of time. Don't you know, every yeah, time, man, maybe, just really. let enjoy it. Golly. Those doing good. <laughs> I, I love hearing it. Are you, are you going to be able, are you, uh, think you're going to be able to continue to earn the bulk of your living from music or you got, I mean, how do you think that's going to work out for your family? I don't know. We'll see. I, you know, I think, Hopefully the one, you know, the world that still has money for music is like sinks. Yep. Yep. Um, TV and film and stuff. We haven't had luck with that world yet, but I'm hoping by making all of this music that some of, some of that will kind of fit into that world. Cause there's a, you definitely can make a living with that kind of stuff. With, with sinks. Joey thinks that means that you write jingles and commercials for sink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Faucets and sink commercials. You know, if somebody uses a song on a, on a commercial or a trailer or you see something, you know, a TV show, whatever. Shut and up, your music's man. good for that too. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the, <laughs> there's other ways. It's, you know, album sales have been kind of the last few years a, a bulk of our income. But if that goes away, hopefully we'll find other ways of doing it. It's crazy actually, that a band could get bigger and grow and come into their own and expand and then continually theoretically make less and less money until they couldn't continue to create the music that was growing an audience that's the situation we're in right now with people like like michael and lisa and what they're doing because i mean that's i guess that's possible right you could grow and then not be, be funded enough to even continue to do it for the larger audience that you have yeah i mean a lot of people's argument is you use that audience to tour and stuff like that but what's interesting it's it's it works at certain stages of the industry. So like, if we were just getting into it now, streaming is kind of cool in that you can potentially reach a lot of people if you get on the right. Pl- you know, you have a chance at being on. It's almost like radio exposure or something. If you hit right and you get in the right playlist and the right people share you, whatever. So you kind of have an outlet to people that are just listening to music. Um, so for brand new artists, that's cool to start building an audience, let people discover your music. Um, but it's sort of the middle. And then once you're, you know, again, once you're Beyonce and everybody's streaming your music and 0.006 cents is multiplied by millions right. rather than thousands, um, you still can make money. Right. Um, right. But it's sort of like the middle class of the music industry that I think are going to be 
at the current plan and the current trajectory of things wiped out unless i mean touring still obviously you can still tour but there are some of us that tour you know for us touring has always been an expense primarily like we because we tour in a way that we're trying to create these experiences that are really memorable and magical and we it's not just lisa if, if it was just lisa and i and i could bring my acoustic guitar and just strum and play for everybody and then that was the show that we could make money but because we're bringing a band and production and we have kids so that means we have to be in a bus because yeah. a lot of the time so it's like we hardly make any money touring at our side and, and that can it's how you do it there's always like this fine line between um, you know, you want to build buzz, you want to build momentum and create an amazing experience with the show. But then you have somebody like Drake who can, you know, fill out these arenas, but he still lost millions of dollars apparently at the end of his tour. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Because his production was so amazing, you know, but he's, but if it wasn't so amazing, it wouldn't have created the buzz to sell out the arena. You know what I mean? It's like, it's this, if Drake just came out and sang to tracks, he probably wouldn't be selling out arenas. Um, if you just, you know, yeah, I heard you too loses money to tour, you know, the biggest band in the world tries to break even or lose money. So it's a weird thing. You, you, know, you have to, you have to, it's a business. So you got to be smart as the business owner, but taking out music sales out of the equation, uh, for a lot of people takes out the, the, the biggest part of the, Hey, so I've, I've got a solution. I've got a solution to all you music stars, uh, problem. So what you want to do now is every time you come out with an album, have a figurine of every single band member that is current to how you look at that stage of life. Yeah. And so, and then just make sure you have a different look each time the album comes out. So they'll just want a different figurine. So they actually have to go how to much the store, do they retail buy for? the CD. Yeah, with how much the does look. that cost? Uh, that will cost um, $17.99. Wow. I, th- I love this idea. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. you have nailed it. I have got it. And, and, have and then it. your best album eventually will be like a collector's item. So everybody exactly. will be fighting all over, over there, right? Exactly. And you have 100000 in a warehouse. And There you go. Yeah. There you go. You're welcome, guys. I would need mine to have like a little maybe inflatable ass because that's probably the most changeable part of me. Depending <laughs> Only on the ass so like, changes. So I just like pump it up for some tours a little bit and deflate it a little bit if I've been riding my bike more. I do wonder if that's going to change because that is the hardest part for us too is touring, especially as you get older, you have your family and you, and you don't want to tour as much. I mean, you just don't want to. Yeah, it's, you gain weight more and yeah, more. It's, it's the I mean, I'm go literally tour. going to be 40 and I'm going to be on tour probably next year. I mean, I'm, I can't believe it. I, I mean, a 40-year-old man should not be doing what I'm doing no matter what. And so <laughs> I, I'm worried about that it. Doesn't have, that's not just our band, my no, friend. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right about that. But, I, but I'm just saying, I wonder if also with the way we sell music, is that going to change the way we actually tour as well? Will, will there be less shows, but the production does stay uh quality or it goes up or you know i think that'll change too the way all bands will tour at some point because you a lot that used to be that was the only way we made money like we didn't we didn't make any money off album sales really and then we made money off touring so we toured 200 something days a year for years and then we just couldn't keep it up so and now i mean now we do short tours or really specific hey we're gonna do these markets and we're out of there so we can get home so that's that's changed a lot for us but i i can see that you're in a unique situation too, because your wife's in the band, so it's not my wife can stay at home and be with our kids. Can't y'all get an RV and live in it, Michael? Just permanently? How about that? We've I'm talked about it. it. Yeah, we definitely have. 
It's a different lifestyle choice for sure. Oh yeah. Well, Matt, uh, Matt McDonald and Christy from Vocal Few, they they got two kids, and they just I know this is crazy, but they just booked six weeks. Yeah, I know. In living rooms. at my house. So they're doing taking their kids. They're going to yeah. your house. That's cool. And they're doing six weeks around the country with their kids. Cool. Two kids. I can't believe that. Hey, so speaking of well, speaking Lisa, of, is there any uh, major ways in which she has uh, processed differently this season? Like, I mean, obviously you guys are on the same page with a lot of stuff, but um, has anything been harder for her, not as hard? Yeah, but she like, why did you just say about Genesis? <laughs> <laughs> Well, she's she's been kind of a hero a couple of times through the whole thing. Like, um, I mean, even as recently as like uh, we did a little conference thing for the liturgist called Belong, and on Facebook, some of the the old angry folks came back and were like, "You're charging, you're charging to to talk about God," <laughs> blah blah blah, <laughs> and. Uh, and so Lisa got on there and like went off in a way that I don't know. It shut them all up. It was amazing. That's she's awesome. like, you That's don't awesome. see, you don't see. She's like, I watched Mike and Mike, what they do to put, release this free podcast to you constantly. Yeah. All this yeah. free work. And you're going to complain the moment like they actually yeah. have a chance yeah. to have some sort of like, um, and it costs them money to do the conference. Like, what do you want? That's right. Do people come into your job and just demand things for free from you? Um, That's crazy. But anyway, for some reason, she's just a far more gracious and kind person than I am at her at her heart and soul. So she can say things like that, and it's still legitimately somehow kind and loving. Um, and so people are just like, yeah, sorry. You know? um, what I picked up out of that is you had to name your podcast The Liturgist because the original name was taken and the, for your podcast, and that was Mike and Mike. <laughs> right? Yeah, Mike squared. Well, that's cool, man. I, th- I think that that's the biggest thing, too, that is really neat. Uh, even I mean, you guys do create great music, but it's really awesome to see that you guys are coming out on the other side of this and that you are together on this. And I think... So sometimes these controversies, man, will just wreck you, and, and it's hard to get out of, and and, and it kind of attaches itself to you. But it sounds like uh, you guys are really are getting in a good spot. I think that's that's so awesome that it doesn't own you, and that you guys are are through a storm and kind of moving out of that, and and things are going really good. That's that's so cool. Yeah, thank you. We just were at Wild Goose Festival. I don't know if you know what that is. Um, in it's like this sort of hippie Christian festival, Christianish festival in North Carolina and uh, Mike was there too, Science Mike and Gunger did a set and it's all these like crazy hippies and everybody was dancing through our set and we just were having a blast. It was like this, one of my favorite sets ever. Um, And Mike said he was just sitting there like just crying through most of it because he said, he said, I finally feel like you guys have actually come out on the other side of, of the fog. Um, and you're like in totally a new season and a new world right now. And it was just so exciting for me to see that said. And so well, how does it um, work with the, um, the see, you did the season pass and now there is it iTunes release now as well. It's iTunes presale. It will be out August 7th. Okay. Okay. The first. So it's, it's basically a trilogy, um, that, uh, the idea is one wildlife and it's the first one is soul and then it's going to be spirit and then body. 
and it's the whole idea of is it is sort of this mega undertaking to 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 look at how all of our life is sort of um you know i think it's one thing i grew up in the, in a world that kind of split I, I you know they said uh what was the phrase that i was always taught i i i am a spirit i i have a soul and i live in a body and that was uh it's spoken in Oklahoma accent because that's the people out here. <laughs> um, but, but I think there was something about that, the way that I was taught that it was life kind of got torn into these fragments, you know, it was like these pieces of, of life and spirituality was sort of a part of life, but then your body was sort of this bad thing almost, you know? Um, and I don't think that's, that's not how I see things anymore. We see things sort of far more, seamless than that, that, that it's all one thing, that it's all our one wild, crazy life that we've been given. And, um, and what are we going to do with it? And so these, these ideas of like soul, spirit, body, they're, they're very interesting ways at looking at the one reality and as, and through and experiencing the reality through those sort of lenses and, um, paradigms. But, um, so it's an exploration of, of the, of all that. And it's three albums worth and it's a lot of work. But it's uh, it's fun so far. How's the label take to all the, the the weird ways of putting it out and doing all that stuff? What's your label situation? Oh, we're indie. Okay, okay. so you have your own, we but is, you have a, something called a, a label, yeah, right? It's, it's, it's your own label, thing. Yeah. What's it called? Hither and Yon. Okay. Okay. Cool. So yeah, so that's the great thing is you have total flexibility to do whatever you decide to do with it. Then. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah, good. we did the same thing. That. It, it feels so amazing. It's a lot of work, but it feels so awesome to be able to to do whatever you want and make those decisions. Like a label would never have said, Oh, uh, you know, when you were going to put out your album, hey, let's change our whole strategy. You know, they would, it would have been so much, all this stuff. And you guys yeah. got to be able to make your own, choose your own adventure. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, and it, I think it leans itself to, and what, I guess one of the exciting things about the changes in the music industry and everything, like when you have to experiment and change things, it can, it, it makes you like reassess what's important um, and for me, like I realized making the art is really my favorite thing about what we do. I, I love, I love the live moment when we're with people. I don't love traveling very much anymore. Um, but you know, when we're actually in a show, that's great. But my favorite is like creating this, creating this work and, and you know, doing the work and making stuff. And, um, and so we're trying to, you know, the traditional music industry is sort of built in a way that you do that, you do that part of the work for, you know, a lot of people do it for a couple of weeks for two years, you know, and then they go on tour and, or they give it, you know, they do, they go into the studio for a couple of weeks, give it to a producer and then the producer finishes it and then they go on tour with that album for the next couple of years for the album cycle. And so little of the actual artist's career, a lot of times is spent on making art, um, just the way the industry works. And that's, I, I want to shift some of that for us to more of our career being about making stuff and having to rethink the business model and all of that is, is kind of cool to be able to really put our priorities, you know, think about what they are. And, and as we try to survive in this new music industry, how can we, you know, do what's important to us, which is make this music that, that opens up the human heart. And that's that's really what we're after. 
the end of the day. We're super excited about the new album and the Liturgist podcast is just awesome. I mean, it really is great. So uh, thank you so, so much. So you want people to go to uh, gungermusic.com. You can get the uh, One Wild Life there, Soul. Yep. And pre-order on iTunes. Don't stream it. Buy it. For sure. Thank you. All right. Thank you Sweet. very much. Right. Well, thanks for joining us, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. See ya. Thank you, Michael, for joining this show. That was fun. I like having was. guests back. You know, we, a lot of people like it. Like, we had Shane Claiborne. We got Michael Gunger back. A lot we, of people have been asking for Jay Baker Was back. that just because we ran out of friends or do we have no guests? guests? Or what is We it? are out of guests. There aren't any more <laughs> left on earth. So, we're, we're going back through the entire hundred episodes and everybody's coming back. I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> I'm sure some of them don't want to either. It's like a nost- we're doing nostalgia already. It's, it's, it's way shorter than the music career when you do a 10-year. We just do a one-year anniversary. Of, <laughs> yeah, it, it, our one-year anniversary. <laughs> hey, I definitely think we should have McDonald back, considering he was our first guest ever. And Matt we were McDonald barely does. getting our feet wet. The 100th episode. That was, kind of, well, was bad on our part. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing that never repeats, guys. Um, and I think we, we all know where, what I'm getting at. Matt, can you help me out here? Rolling. All right. In a world where you're driving down the road and it's basically 1,000 degrees in your bus and all you can think about is reporting the damn news, my name's Toby Morrell, and this is that damn news. That's commitment, right. man. I mean, that's commitment. Thank you, Joey. That's all, that's all your mind was on? All I've been thinking about the entire tour is Emory fans. Well, first, Jesus. Yep. Second, my wife and kids. Third, the damn news. Fourth, Emory fans. Joey, you would have thought it was, I would think you would have thought it was funny last night. Um, I was, we were at the San Antonio show, and uh, I really was just kind of having a good time joking around. I saw one guy way far on the left, kind of like a little bit of a tear balcony kind of thing, just – on the left, and he was really into the show, singing every word, but everybody else over there was just sitting on a stool, kind of uninterested. And then yeah. there was a guy, so I said, hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate you dancing and really being into the show. Everybody else just came to sit down, and then a guy two down from him kind of had a mustache and kind of looked a little weird, and I was like, oh, hey, mustache guy. You, you got thank you for sitting there and i just started kept messing with him messing with him until eventually I was, I, he was joking around i think he knew i was kidding and then some girl goes his name is alex i was like oh alex alex i say you only care about your damn self in front of everybody, everybody started laughing it was really funny i should have given him a t-shirt or something he might not have wanted it from memory but it was really funny i i was just kind of on a little tear uh, messing with him, so I thought I wish you'd have been there. I think you would have thought. Basically, what is going good. on is Toby has a big brother bully mentality, and when, yes. when you're not around, he he will even find random fans in the crowd of hundreds and single and just single one out just to I pick do it on in love. He does it in love. He does a, does a good hey, job Matt, with that. What Matt? Did you did you just rescue Toby from a dead end story? No, I did not. See, well, no, uh, I yes, think, kind I think of. you did. If see, if I would have <laughs> given that story, you guys would have just let it ride and then made make fun of me. But well, instead, you bailed. You bailed Toby out. Well, I did. I uh, wow, you just really dead ended that, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, are we in the news or what? Yes, we are here, and uh, I'll start with a little interesting. But I get I'm, so many roving reporters out there. Thank you guys so much. This first story comes. I think from, they're responsible for some of the really nasty, uncomfortable they stories. Find, they can find we, can the, we find some? Can't they this raise the bad? Okay, uh, I think this is a really good one. One of them is pretty rough. <laughs> 
But these roving reporters, man, they're doing good. This first one is Javier Arroyo. How do you say A-R-R-O-Y-O. Arroyo. Arroyo. I would have said Ario. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Diner expects Jesus to pay her buffet bill, say the police. The Lord may provide us, but don't expect Jesus to pay for your restaurant tab. April Lee <laughs> Yates, who's 51 years old, was arrested Sunday for allegedly refusing to pay for her $26 seafood buffet uh, at Bennett's <laughs> at Calabash in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. This is great, man. <laughs> Police great. arrived after employees said she'd been at the restaurant for four hours and was disturbing other patrons. According to countonto.com, Yates also allegedly refused to pay for a meal, saying she had no money. Officer said when Yates was asked what she had planned to do about the bill, she told him that Jesus would pay for it. No one <laughs> named Jesus came forward with the money. And at that point, she was arrested and charged with defrauding the restaurant. She has a domestic wow. servant named Jesus that went out to the car and forgot, had forgotten his wallet. Is yeah, that perhaps so. the issue? Now, my question, maybe, does she have more faith than anybody? Does she have more faith? Maybe yeah. she's like, I believe in the Lord. The Lord, Because some people go, I don't have money. I'm hungry. I'm going in here. The Lord will provide. But now she has three square meals a day and a bed and everything. But was she eating all-you-can-eat seafood for four hours? Was that part of the story? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of calabash shrimp, so, and she was disturbing patrons. So I guess she was just like, "I'm gonna get my eat yeah. on. If I'm going to jail, I'm gonna make it worth it." I can't imagine four Maybe hours all, of seafood. Have you ever heard of that? Like if you if you if you go to a buffet and you eat keep eating, eventually they'll ask you to leave because you ate too uh, much yeah, yeah. and they'll lose money. So maybe she just thought, "Hey, I want." I, I, we know some friends that did that at like a. I don't know if it's oyster bar. Did it or something. work? They just kept eat, yeah, they kept eating and eating and eating. They were like giant football players, and they kept eating so much they were like, "Hey, if y'all stop right now, free." free because they they thought because they're, they're not going. looking for the 20 bucks back at that point they just they don't right, want to eat another hundred dollars right. in uh, food costs right exactly that's a good strategy yeah for sure so yeah i can't imagine that much what the see i mean first of all all you can eat is almost always a bad deal and i guess unless you're a really big time eater my dad I loves mean, you, buffets. They have it calculated out. So, you know, they and they feel it's all full of fried it probably ca- you know, all fried stuff. Breading and grease. Yeah. You can't fish and chips, how much can you eat? I mean, it's too much. Seafood sounds like the worst kind of buffet to me. Oh, I know. Hey, well, the th- the three of us used to kill it in Rock Hill, man, at Chinese, Chinese restaurants, yeah, yeah. CC's. I mean, we destroyed those places. You always feel so terrible, though, because you you're right. It's just like, it's just not good. Well, it's simple. If it's CC's, hey, quick, it was three ninety nine, and if it's a, a, a the fancy buffets, a lot of times it'll be $20, $24, and then I would usually get full on an entree that might be $16 there, so you have to just do the math. If it's CC's, go for it. Hey, well, a uh, quick story time since our listeners just they they just cannot get enough of the stories. Toby, do you remember the uh, Band Aid Cafe? Yes, I do. That was terrible. So, so Matt, I don't know if you were there or not. I don't think you were, but we, you know, how the Chinese restaurants they'll give you like a pitcher of tea and they just leave it at the table. You're, so you're you about to really mess this story up, but I'll let you go ahead. All right. So at the bottom of the pitcher was a Band Aid. Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, a real Band-Aid. And so mm-hmm. I think Toby took the initiative to take the picture to the server and said, hey, there, there's a Band-Aid in here. And uh, she denied it. up, Like she said, there is no way. You know, she was Chinese lady. She was like, no way that there, there was a Band-Aid in this. You guys oh, put it, it in Chinese there. Lady, she, huh? Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> well, I said that because... I was gonna, I was gonna you know imitate her, are. but that would. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you meant? Oh, Joey! <laughs> but there's okay. nothing we could do. All nothing right. we well, can do, man. Well, let me see. I'm, I'm not into the 
over the 15-year-old stories. However, this one I'll have to weigh in on slightly there. You asked if you didn't remember if I was there or had heard the story. It was my story. It happened to me. It was my tea glass, and there was a used Band-Aid in the bottom of my tea that had been poured from the pitcher, and it was used and even had a sp- uh, spot on it where there was blood. It was a used open <laughs> Band-Aid. It wasn't like in a wrapper or <laughs> fell off of something. It was definitely, yeah, yeah you got some human right. matter. Right, and, so, and the lady was Are very Are you serious? Offended. That she thought to you? That I, yeah, I, it, was, it was me. But the lady thought that I had planted the Band-Aid in there, like yeah. trying to get something for free. She, she did not, I guess... I guess I may have been a pushover at the time. I, I may have paid my $7 for the buffet and left, which is crazy. I don't know why I would have paid for it. I was thinking everybody would get it for free at first, but I think I even wound yeah. up paying. So she she, uh, she did a number on me. That, that may be before I had the art of persuasion down. Maybe she taught me a thing. That was just disgusting, man. So Yeah, disgusting. I would have probably thrown a fit. I remember. We were there, though. Yeah, you were there. Yeah, we were there. So I would, I think Yeah, we were. We, but we all just let it go. And we're like, eh, it's not that big of a deal, I guess. And maybe it wasn't. Is that how – I mean – do you get it's just an accident? It's not that big of a deal, or is that a big deal to most people? It is. That's a huge deal. Huge a band aid's worse than a hair. I mean, a used band aid. Yeah. That's that's somebody's blood. Yeah. That you ingested. Yeah. Maybe. All right. Guess who this roving reporter is, Joey? You know him as and Matt. You know him too, Ryan Amick, roving reporter. Ryan Amick. Mm-hmm. He lives in Charleston, South Carolina. A good friend of ours. He sent me a news short story from the Guardian. San Francisco to redirect stream of public urinators with hydrophobic walls. All right. Matt, can you guess what this is? Well, I know what hydrophobic means. It it just means that it repels water. Right. The city of San Francisco. Yeah, so San Francisco is hydrophobic. Yeah. Like crazy against men. Yeah. They're hydrophobic against men. (laughs) The city of San Francisco, tired of cleaning up after those who relieve themselves in public, wants to test walls that pee back. The San Francisco (laughs) Department of Public Works is hoping to paint some of the city walls with hydrophobic water-repellent paint. If urinated upon, the paint makes the urine bounce off the wall and back at the urinator's feet. In Europe, such paint has been proven to work in Hamburg walls and in St. Paul quarter, uh, a quarter of the city has been painted with super hydrophobic uh, coating and it's given accompanying signs which read, do not pee here, we pee back. So yep. it's working and I actually like it, but I think, honestly, for if all my friends and the guys that I know, that would make me want to pee on the wall. Yeah. I want to see it pee <laughs> well, back. Yeah, that yeah, would be yeah. amazing. I don't, I mean, that would be way more fun. Oh, if yeah. If you had to oh, miss yeah. your own pee with your feet and everybody's laughing or you pee, pee on the yeah. wall. Yeah, there's tons of things you would do. Now, first of all, uh, I think I could pee my stream way long enough to where it couldn't bounce back. Right. I think I can back up five and six feet and be nailing that wall. And it, there's no yeah. way it's coming back five or six feet. I think that's I could true. I think I could pee five or six feet to my left or right and right. have it pee back on somebody else. I know that's what, that number one thing I would do. That's the number one thing I would else. do is try and pee on somebody else. Exactly. I, and I would want to. Uh, and I'm against this campaign entirely because peeing outdoors in my line of work and just with my personality is one of one of my greatest pleasures and something that I do everywhere. Every downtown people I've pissed in your city. <laughs> Everywhere I've, mar- I've marked this whole country up I pee I often pee on our own bus Or between the tires Of our own bus But often I'll pee in, in Somewhere on the city street On the wall You love it I love it I'm, I'm You know it's you know, we don't have a good bathroom. There really is something about peeing outside. It's great. And, and I, I mean, I guess most females don't get to do that. But, I mean, there really is it's kind of freeing, and it doesn't matter. Like, the, the pee-pee is coming out no matter what somewhere. Even in your right toilet, it's going somewhere. It's going somewhere. In oh, yeah, I'll go I'll go you one better. So, I either pee on the street, outdoor somewhere, in the grass, on a wall, something like that. Or, you know what? 
often I will pee in the bus of our bathroom. So that's much better, right? Because that goes into our bathroom of our bus. Well, right. guess what we do every other day? Dump our piss tank full of pee from the bus yeah, <laughs> out into the street. Of, anyway. yeah, dump it. <laughs> so even if you pee anywhere, it eventually goes outside. And for our bus, very directly so. It'll go off the side of a, a exit ramp to a highway. So we've got this country marked up, boy. We, we have <laughs> you got a lot of hydrophobic painting to do if we've you're going to get our us. territory. Yeah. You're going to have to put a lot of paint I down. I dare them to paint the whole US of A. I dare them. I'd love to. I, I'll find it. I'll yeah. find it anywhere I can. All right. Y'all well, ready Toby, for a, I'm, you, are you I'm ready for have a to ter- say, Go ahead. I'm going to I'm gonna have to say that I just uh, I felt left out of that news story because the sound quality is so poor, you guys coming in, I literally could not make out what the whole deal was. Well, so. it was real funny. All right, cool. It was about you being homophobic. Yeah, your hydrophobic ways. No, seriously, so is peeing on the wall? Yeah, we're moving on. That's all right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, do y'all, do y'all want a, a just a severely crazy story? Yeah, I don't. You save this one for last. It's probably gonna be something sad where you're gonna try and trick somebody into laughing at a no, dead person. No, I'm not. This one, I don't know if we can laugh at this one. Okay, <laughs> Joey. Joey. Hey, well, you can't tell me to move the microphone back to my mouth if i am laughing you guys will never know no you have to laugh if you do nope. you have to laugh on mic but i don't think you'll be able to i pray to god i don't realize that my friends are, are this sadistic <sighs> this comes from roving reporter joey Rykoff. this comes from crazed.com wyoming man found with 30 eyeballs in his anal cavity Found dead, Joey. <laughs> Joey, what are you laughing Joey, at? You sick son of you a. S- is he found dead? Is what I'm waiting for. Police made a routine traffic stop early Thursday morning and got more than they bargained for when Roy Tibbet, a 51, stepped out of his El Camino. Oh, <laughs> it's okay to laugh. He's alive field, for a field sobriety test. And Casper police noticed several eyeballs slide from his right pant leg onto the road. Feeling they could have potentially have a murderer on their hands, police quickly drew guns and cuffed Tibbet. Tibbet said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He assured the police that the eyeballs were not human, but instead cow eyeballs. Oh, no. He had pilfered from Johnson Meats, a slaughterhouse where Tibbet is employed as a butcher. Oh, what a creep. The company won't let us take animal scraps home and instead of toss them in the landfill, uh, Tibbet said in a police report, they're a very wasteful company. We should be allowed to take scrap meat and other parts home the company should start a green initiative they don't even have a so he's an recycling plant (laughs) (laughs) he said i enjoy eating bovine eyeballs smuggling them out in my colon was the only way i knew how to get them out without potentially getting caught and fired tibbet told police he estimates he has smuggled several thousand eyeballs from the plant over the past few years in his anus. Wow. That, well, that, what a pioneer of civil disobedience this man is. Yeah, I mean, well, it, he, he says, I put them eyeballs, in soups. Aren't eyeballs like gigantic? <laughs> a cow eyeballs, yeah. I imagine they're pretty big. I yeah, mean, I mean, he, he had 30. He had 30 up there. Now, here's the thing. Like he said that, he says, he puts them in soups. They're beneficial for erectile dysfunction, which I currently battle. I don't know why. Let's see. Maybe, maybe it's the 30 cow eyeballs resting on your prostate gland. Maybe don't do that. That would be probably better. But he said, I also just like the texture and taste. This guy's messed up. 
obviously. I mean, he that's the only way he could figure out how to get them out well, to not, eat them. You know, that he takes them out of his butt hole and then eats them. Well, he you know, boils them or something. I don't know. Soup. All right, Pastor Joey, what do you think? Well, he had to walk around like feeling like he had to take a major, major duke the whole time. I mean, that's he probably that's, enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, what? What? He did it. He said he, sm- he smuggled. <laughs> what did he say? Thousands, thousands. in his colon. <laughs> well, it definitely brings it brings more meaning to the Chick Fil A cow that says "Eat more chicken." I mean, my gosh, that cow's got to be yeah. petrified. <laughs> well, that was the that was the damn news, guys. Thank you so much. You're right. Thank you for the news there, Toby. Thank you for my roving reporters. They're awesome. Well, They're so here's wonderful. who. Here's who we really have to thank, the the real heroes of the damn news. And, Toby, I'm sorry, but I just really believe that. The real heroes, my, the my real heroes and me. of the damn news is the BC Club, who Absolutely. sponsor the damn news. Many of them do this reluctantly, but they love Toby, and so they, you know, they, they do what they have to do to support you as a person. So you got not, some names for us? Hit them. Yep, it's Jennifer Braze, Julian Michael, Ryan Baird, Ryan Hobson, Jeremy Meekum, Carl Bakey, Eli Samick, Luke Mitchell, Emily Marriott, Trevor Camojo. No. Yep. Yep, that's right. Trevor Cornijo, Joseph and Adja Popey. And Jonathan David Geiger, thank you guys so much. And hey, yes, I'm gonna have indeed. to I'm gonna have to make an apology apology to you BC clubbers. Uh, Toby just wrapped up signing a bunch of postcards. It will, basically, what I do, you know, we we pass them around, uh, putting our signatures on them, and you get them in the mail, obviously. Well, I just messed around. I put some crosses around Toby and Matt snacks on some of them just to look really goofy Christian. Well, I look for. Th- through some of the postcards that we're going to be sending out. Now, some of them were funny. Toby X'd out my face or put a piece of pizza hanging out of my mouth and everything. There's one postcard. You must have written my name five times. It's just trashy. Like, it looks horrible. So, we apologize if you received the one with Joey all over the place. That That's, was Toby's I think it's original artwork. Yeah, it's original artwork, and it's been mentioned on the podcast, therefore increasing its value and exclusivity. It's, so, you've just done, a one of a kind. Just done some, somebody a favor. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I want to thank the BC Club. We had uh, our the person that runs the BC Club, his name is Taylor Atkins, and he lives in San Antonio. So, we got to hang out with him last night, Joey. And I want to thank him. Oh, cool. He's been running things, and uh, he's got numbers and and. Let me tell you something. The BC Club is growing. It's it's much bigger as far as the total amount of contributions and, and number of people than I thought at all. I hadn't been paying attention to, to those kind of numbers and analytics, but it is doing incredibly well. So I don't know what it is that's making you guys uh, – maybe it just takes a year and a half for you guys to realize, I guess I still listen to this damn thing. I'll give a few bucks. But thank you to everybody that has. It means a ton. It, it makes me feel like – we're in a place where I hope we could do more flying, um, where we could get more in-person interviews with people when we, we can do more stuff. I, I really think with where we're at, we're going to be able to accomplish more stuff. Our finances are looking better since we ha- hired those people. And uh, if you want to, if you, if you listen to this podcast and you want to pay what it's worth, join the BC club, join our Facebook group. We hang out on there and talk sometimes. And um, the BC club is a fun thing to be a part of, and you can get a postcard, which is not that big of a deal, which there's other fun stuff on there too. But mainly it's just a way to you, for you to be able to pay for what we give away for free. And for everybody that enjoys this podcast for free, 
no guilt on you, brother. Just tell somebody, leave us a rating on iTunes. Um, we, we couldn't be more than more happy to give, to give the podcast away and, and to be doing it. And I really do mean that in a sincere and emotional way. I'm blown away. Thank you. Hey, y'all know what yep. kind of music that guy from my last story listened to? What kind? iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> y'all got any good eye jokes for eyes in the butt joke? <laughs> <laughs> <Some> joke. <laughs>